Hi everyone, welcome back to the Women Center podcast as we are. This episode, episode 5, is a little bit about books. Now, I'm not much of a reader unless I'm required to for class, so it's actually hilarious that we're doing this podcast episode. But the thing is, I really want to be a reader. I think books can be an incredible gateway to other worlds and also to understanding our own helping us learn better about what's happening around us or see things in a new perspective. Now, I'm graduating this year and one of my big goals with getting some of this time back is that I really want to dedicate it to regressing back to my inner child who loved to read and make more active efforts in building that skill again. But two of my closest friends, Casey and Megan, are already big, big readers and they always talk about books in such a wistful and transformative way and listening to their conversations makes me fall in love with reading all over again. So in this episode, I wanted to sit down with them to talk about this love that they've cultivated, their histories with reading, and their favorite books from the past and now for you guys all to get some recommendations and, if you're like me, fall back in love with reading. So for readers and non-readers alike, I hope you enjoy this episode. Here are the two bad bitches who read, Casey and Megan on books. Hi everyone, I'm with Casey and Megan. We're in literally the center of the center, not holed up in the intern office today Mm -hmm. because it's a Monday off and no one else is in here. So let's hope that no one stumbles upon us (laughs) as we're recording. Um, But first and foremost, I think we can start off by introducing the like topic behind the podcast. Um, You guys were the ones to propose it. Maybe we can start off with who you are and why you thought this would be a good idea. I'm Megan. Um, I'm a senior here at Tufts, and Casey and I have been friends, along with Sharika, since the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, And Casey and I love to talk about books, so I thought we could do that on here. Yeah, I'm Casey. I just graduated from Tufts in December. Um, Yeah, so we all met at Hill freshman year, first few days. Third floor. Yeah, third floor. It's been so lovely. (laughs) Yeah, me and Megan talk about books a lot book club so it's all good okay but we've been friends forever Megan and I currently live together um but she's always kind of I don't know Megan says this thing where it's just like yeah no one else likes to read in our (laughs) our household (laughs) and it's true that Megan's the biggest reader and like I try to be and I like bought a few books and like have a little thing going but if I'm being honest I just do not read that much so I think she really benefits off of like you know you guys have your book thing with with Emma is that with Emma or no yes yes, yes. yes. so shout out to Emma as well yeah um but yeah you guys like meet all the time and talk about it even before the podcast I was literally like shut up because you guys <laughs> are getting into it yeah. already because I just finished a book yesterday so exciting we gotta talk about it yeah yeah so you guys can do that but let's jump into it already um so I think one of the questions you guys said you liked was like what was your favorite book growing up so we can start off with that one and just like yeah. I guess when I think about growing up, I think about like that period post middle school, like when you're really trying to like figure out what's going on and who you are and things like that. And I think I did read a little bit in elementary school. Um, my sister is kind of the big reader. But um, in like sixth or seventh grade, I read The Outsiders by Essie Hinton. And I think that is my favorite book um, from my childhood. And it just I feel like that's the one I always think about. Um, I remember, like, this is kind of not really a spoiler, but um, 
like sobbing in my bedroom <laughs> like for like a whole night because I was just like oh my gosh it's so unfair that like Pony Boy and his brothers are orphans like why did they get like that like dealt to them and so I think I just that was kind of one of the first times where I would like let myself be emotionally attached to a book and like the story within it um and that lasted a very long time I had a few years where I'd read The Outsiders over and over again <laughs> and so that was that's kind of where I'm at. Now I was just gonna say I think growing up is such a pivotal moment for a lot of people but especially me um for reading I I fell in love with reading when I learned to read like I remember in first grade my um, teacher would read us Junie B. Jones and I love listening to her read but I always wanted it to go longer (laughs) than it did and so I just got really into reading I would read like all the Junie B. Jones all the Magic Treehouse Mm -hmm. And we had this um, program at our school called AR Reading where we would read a book and then take a test and then you got points depending on how well you comprehended the book. Mm-hmm. And um, my friend Mari was also a very like um, big reader. So in fifth grade, we like would compete for who could win the most points and read the most books. And it was just, like, a fun competition. So but really it emerged out of competition. <laughs> I mean, out of competition, but also I love the stories. Like, I have always been a fast reader, which really helped me to read a lot. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Megan is a very fast reader. I see the way you get through, like, readings for classes, and I'm like, that shit would take me, like, three hours, and it takes <laughs> you, like, maybe an hour max. Um, it's helpful, but I... It helps me when I read to really see it like as it's happening because it's more of like a real time uh, thing. Um, Anyway, but my favorite book growing up would have to be like Harry Potter and the Harry Potter series. I feel like I can't not talk about it because it's so (laughs) it's so impactful. Like I I first read the book series in elementary school at some point. And then I would reread it every couple years um, just because I loved it so much. I loved, like, all the hidden, like, little things that you miss in the movies and, like, the friendships that you feel like you grow with With the the characters. characters. Um, I remember in high school, the last time I read the series in sophomore year, I would read it in English class because I was like, oh, it's English class. Like, the professor, like, can't tell me not to read Mm -hmm. because it's an English class. Also, um, like... He didn't tell me not to read. I realized it was a bit rude, probably, but I just, I really wanted to reread this book. They told you not to read No, I mean, like, I was reading it in class. Oh. Like, while he was instructing. Oh. I can imagine that being frustrating. Um, but me, Wait, yeah. I loved those kids growing up. Like, the ones that literally would not put down their book. Oh. Yeah. I was like, you guys do not give a single F about it. <laughs> it's so good. No, I mean, in other classes I didn't because, like, it wasn't what we were doing. You're like, to my defense, that class is boring. So. <laughs> well, we would, I always had a problem with reading out loud because it's so much slower than I read in my head. Mm-hmm. And it, I lose attention. Damn. So. Mm. Mm. Yeah, problems of being a fast reader, I guess. Yeah. It's nice that you say that Harry Potter was one of your favorite books, though, because I feel like I remember even freshman year with you guys, I, like, talked about this, how, like, that series is, like, my comfort, whatever. I remember you going to bed and reading the books to fall asleep. Yeah, it was really nice, especially during pandemic, because there's a lot of stuff coming out for Harry Potter, like, when we were sent home, like, online, like, on TikTok and things like that, because people were, like, 
I guess, finding comfort when you're shut in. Like, mm-hmm. it just makes sense that you get absorbed into your, like, fantasy worlds and, like, reading books is, feels like such a big part, part of that. Um, but, yeah, Harry Potter did that a lot for me that year, too. So. One thing I do want to mention with Harry Potter is the fact that J.K. Rowling is very transphobic. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I think that's what made it has made it really hard because mm. it's such a lovable series yeah. i feel like this reminds me of the whole thing about like separating an art from the artist thing yeah like, can you separate an author from the yeah, book yeah i know it's tough i feel like with harry potter especially the readers and people who did grow up like us loving it have done a really good job of being like okay so now it's ours and like we're going to take this world and these characters and like see them the way we want to see them the way we like see ourselves in them and like it's no I feel like it no longer belongs to her Mm -hmm. um like obviously to an extent have to acknowledge like her she's the one who wrote it but I feel like now it's just part of culture and society and like she's given it and it's ours now you know yeah I agree and I think it's it can still be hugely impactful um and then we can also still acknowledge that like she's not a good person but yeah it doesn't I don't want it to take away from, like, my, my childhood, like, mm-hmm. comfort. But it, it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. And you have to be also conscious of, like, that may have affected her work, too. So yeah. reading it with that in mind, I think, helps. Um, another question I had here was, like, this is so off topic from the one that we just did before. But it was, like, kind of goes hand in hand, maybe, about, like, what did books mean to you growing up, which you kind of answered. But also, like, what do books as like a word like what does that mean to you even vaguely and I was like getting alluding to the idea of like what counts as a book and like because I remember growing up a big thing also was like graphic novels in class were like not considered like free reading like Mm. something you could like actually like read Mm -hmm. I feel like we've talked about this before Megan but like it was a huge thing that like you have to read like an actual like word word like word to word like cover book but yeah, what do you guys count as books? Um, I think that my definition has definitely changed since coming out of high school. I think in high school we were kind of drilled into the classics and like mm-hmm. graphic novels maybe didn't count as much. But I think here at Tufts, like I read a graphic novel, Persepolis, oh, I forget the author, but great book. Oh yeah, um, Graphic novel that. in one of my classes. Um, and that was kind of alongside, we read like Matilda in that class and like other things that... Um, that's an, like another thing. Like as you're older, you can still read children's books and like t- like young adult books as well. Um, so I think books to me is just like engaging with someone's storytelling, which is usually in the form of words, but can be enhanced with other things. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that if I had to encapsulate it briefly, I think that would be it. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there should be a rule about what is or isn't a book in that sense like a graphic novel is a book it has art um, Mm -hmm. it has a story it has words usually even (laughs) if it doesn't it's still telling a story through like paper and of course there can be ebooks too but you're you're kind of like flipping pages and I think the page element (laughs) is important (laughs) to a book (laughs) literally Mm -hmm. um I have to say, like, side note, I love a physical book. Mm. Personally, I know that ebooks are very convenient. I just, like, can't get into it as much. I love feeling it, smelling a book. I love when you have a uh, book. Book smell. And it's your book. Yeah. You can write in it. Yeah. There's something to say. I remember, like, 
I don't remember what the opinions were or something, but sometimes people were talking about, like, what does it mean to, like, like, the act of, like, owning a book is, like, super important and, like, how it conflates to, like, like, owning knowledge. Wow. I've never thought about that. But I can totally see that because, like, you feel more mm-hmm. kind of equated to it. Yeah. yeah. And you can revisit it whenever you want. Like, that's why I love owning a book that I love because then I can reread it easily mm-hmm. just open up like one page if you yeah need to. like exactly. if you've like didn't have the book you have like wait it just won't be yeah. as immediate do you guys make notes in the books that you own yes oh my god what notes um so mostly it's underlining or like drawing connections to other things which i know you do like page numbers to like when things were referenced earlier foreshadowed earlier Ooh. um but mostly just like if i'm thinking through my thoughts on something like i if I'm reading something and it's like kind of a vague statement or you kind of have to read between the lines um I'm kind of like oh like this like she like misses her mom like this is why she's doing this like that kind of thing but it's just fun I don't know if it's like helpful for me in my reading experience or anything but I think it just helps me engage with it more um physically I think I also prefer physical books um but mostly just because well, not mostly because, but um, I do just appreciate holding it and things like that. But I think if I was on, like, a Kindle or, like, my computer or something, it'd be so easy to get distracted. Like, I would just, like... Yeah. And, like, with a physical book, like, if you read, like, you open up Harry Potter, Sorcerer's Stone, that book is only Harry Potter and Sorcerer's Stone. But, like, a Kindle, it's, like, every other book. Like, your computer is, like, your emails. Like, it's all these other things at the same time. Yeah. For a physical book, you can just really be connected with that one thing. That's so true. Yeah. I really like that. Do you guys have a favorite pen? Muji. Muji. Yeah. 0.38 for black, 0.5 for other colors. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, um, well, the thing is, is I actually used to have a big thing against writing in books. Gotcha. I was horrified by it. I can um, see that for you. <laughs> I wanted the books to stay pristine, and I remember vividly freshman year in one of my classes, I saw a girl who would become my friend later mm-hmm. um, highlighting in her book, and I was shocked I was like, not even just writing notes, highlighting. No, highlight, bright colors. I was like, whoa, that is (laughs) bold. But now, like, I've definitely changed. And I've only really started writing in books more recently, I think, in college. Um, Mostly, like, underlining, like, as you said. And only really books that, A, I own, and B, that I really feel like it's necessary. If I'm just reading it to, like, hear a story, that's, I don't really write in it but if it has like a lot of like hidden meaning or meaning that I want to remember or like connected mm-hmm. um I just read a book um the transit of Venus Overbreak, and that book is so interconnected each like part of it and foreshadows so much in really subtle ways I found it like really cool to be able to write that in so that later when I return to it I can notice the things that I didn't notice the first time reading it through. Wait, do you own a copy of that? I do. If I'm going to read I want to read your copy. Okay. I'm <laughs> <laughs> glad. Yeah. I don't know. When you describe books a lot, a lot of the time, for me, it feels like the way I perceive movies. And I'm mm-hmm. sure a lot of people make that connection. Similar. But I think, like, for me, the, one of the reasons I think books are so hard is that I don't, I'm not, like, a visual person when I read books. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't imagine things and, like... Mm-hmm draw out pictures in that way but do you guys feel like you do that or am I just leaping to a conclusion I definitely did it more when I was younger um I think nowadays if I catch myself not doing it I'm like okay 
do it. <laughs> and then I'm like, you can like make this a more immersive experience if you put the effort into it. I think that's the thing. Reading does take effort. Um, like when you build a habit, it becomes a little easier. But um, like it doesn't always come naturally to visualize it in your head. Interesting. But you call it a habit. Yeah, yeah. Like reading is difficult to get into, to make into something that you do often. Um, but like the more you do it, just like anything else, it just becomes more natural. You seek it out, crave it. Mm. That's um, something for me. I think I really fell in love with reading because I can just picture it all in my head mm-hmm. when I'm reading it. Mm-hmm. And the best, like the way I know a book is really good in the sense of like building imagery and like a world is if I can just get completely lost in the book and just be so immersed in the experience that I like forget where I am and what I'm doing and I'm only thinking about the book and I think as you said like it's easier to do when you're younger because your imagination is like more prominent but I can still do it now it depends a lot on the writer's writing Mm -hmm. style like if it's too academic too literary like too smart Mm -hmm. I say this with quote marks like I enjoy the book, and it doesn't mean it's a bad book, but I I just can't fully immerse myself. But if the story is so good and the writer writes in a way where, like, the words don't impede your imagination, gotcha. like, they facilitate it, gotcha. then I can get into that space. Do you feel like there's any authors that come to mind as of recent that, like, you really felt, like, did a good job of that? It might lead into the question, like, what is a book that holds the most, like, personal significance to you right now? That's a really loaded question, so. Well, I feel like I have the opposite answer. Like, when you were talking, I was like, oh, that's, that's like, really awesome that you're able to still do it so naturally. And I was thinking about one of the last books I read recently was The Razor's Edge by W. Somerset Maugham. Um, But it's definitely a more literary book, and it's not really about, like, what the character... Well, there's a lot of character description, but it's more for, like, an intellectual reason, and so you're not really picturing what's happening because nothing really happens. There's just a bunch of conversations about philosophy and things like yeah. that. And so, like, that one, it took me a long time to get through, even though it was good because I wasn't able to forget that I was reading the words like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's not really answer to your question. But. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I look at my Goodreads yeah. to refresh my memory? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. That's all I do to prepare. Goodreads is, like, a must-have, I guess. Yeah, also Storygraph, which is not owned by Sorry, Amazon. Like, my yes. Leg. Storygraph, okay, okay. Wow, that's one I haven't even heard of. Oh yeah, I use it too. I find that now I have friends on Goodreads. Yes, the social aspect of Goodreads. The social aspect, and it's hard. Um, like a draw. Like I find myself just opening Goodreads to see what people are reading. Yeah. Whereas Storygraph, it's more to like log my own thing, so I only open it when I'm logging a book. You know. I see. I really, (laughs) I feel that because I feel like we're we're checking on each other's. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love when I get a notification that Megan Schroeder liked my, like, update. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so fun. Um, first, I'll say, I think a book recently that I really got into the world, and I think this might happen more with, like, fantasy books mm. or books that extend reality a little bit, just because it's not so real to my life. Mm. Um, Priory of the Orange Tree, it's a really, really good fantasy book. Um, it's quite long, but like the way all of the different stories are woven together. There's kind of three women at the center of it. Um, 
there's queer romance, there's dragons. Um, it's really good. <laughs> I would highly recommend. Queer romance and dragons. What else do you need? <laughs> what else do you need? The book title is also beautiful. Yeah. The cover's also beautiful. The cover's beautiful. There's this... Oh my god. No, I feel like like cover art is such a draw, as yeah. you to put it in your terms. like. Um, but yeah, we can talk about the most important books. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. On the note of uh, queer romance, um, this book was a really crucial part of my coming-of-age moment of reading because there's lots of of coming-of-age books, but this one I read uh, right when the characters were like that age. I think I read it in eighth grade or something like that, and the characters begin in eighth grade and kind of end in high school by the end of the book, but um, it's called I'll Give You the Sun by Jandy Nelson. Um, and it's about this relationship between two twins, a brother and a sister. And I love books that are told like this where it has multiple point of views and they kind of start at different points. So the brother starts, um, like the beginning of high school, end of middle school. And the girl, the daughter starts like, um, at the end ish of high school and something has happened to drive them apart in between their two like narrative lines but you don't know what it is until the end when everything comes together and is sort of revealed through the characters figuring it out Mm. and I love a good family relationship book Um, it really goes into like sibling relationships mother child relationships Um, the imagery is incredible Um, the boy like he's very much of an artist they both are but he sees art in his head all the time and the way that the author describes that is really, really beautiful. Mm. Um, Yeah, I just thought it was like really emotional and impactful for me when I was reading it, not because I necessarily related to them, but just because I felt very connected with them even though I didn't obviously have the same experiences they were going through. I remember freshman year when we first started talking about books. Like, that was, like, your first recommendation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's one I've reread a lot. Um, Have you read it? I have not, but it's been on my list since then. (laughs) So maybe I'll give it a try after this one. I'd recommend. It's definitely young adult, so Mm -hmm. you have to come come into it knowing that. But, um, yeah, I really liked it. It's a good one. Um, I think... Um, the first one that I thought of was In Cold Blood by Truman Capote. Um, in 11th grade English class, we were given, um, an assignment to do journal entries and we had to read like 50 pages, um, and then do a journal entry and do like six of those per semester. Um, and we were given a list of books to choose from and they were, as high school English classes go, they were all like classics, like mm-hmm. Daniel Hawthorne, Arthur Miller, that kind of thing like white man doing things but um Truman Capote is also a white man so but um <laughs> uh like um I like picked a few books and like, was reading them and I was excited about reading them I felt kind of like cool to be reading these like classic books and things like that mm-hmm. and then I came across In Cold Blood and I read it and it was just a different experience than reading like Nathaniel Hawthorne um I really felt myself understanding like the art of writing a book mm-hmm. um In Cold Blood is a on the back is calls it a nonfiction novel um, because it's Truman Capote's retelling of a murder that happened in Kansas in the 60s um, and the story of how the murderers were convicted um, as well as like the town 
in the aftermath of the murder of this family. Um, and his way of interacting with that story was like nothing I'd ever seen before. It was kind of, um, it delved more into the murderers and their backgrounds and their motivations. Um, supposedly, Truman Capote, in getting the research for this, grew very close to one of the murderers um, in real life. And so you could kind of see the author's sympathy for this man wow. um, within the story. That's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And like from a totally different perspective, it could have been like, this like good family from Kansas was like brutally murdered and that's like that was obviously part of it as well but it was definitely gave more nuance and many sides of the story and you kind of come out of it kind of confused on like who you cared about within the movie the the book um and I was just very appreciative of that and it kind of it confused me as I was writing I wrote my like paper about it that year um and I I just like I reread it like immediately after finishing it and I it had been a long time since I had had that experience with books mm-hmm. um like that was in um when I was 17 and I think the last time I had like really engaged with the book I was probably like 12 or 13 was The Outsiders um and so I think that just kind of like brought back the magic of reading and what was possible within books and I'm very grateful for that I have a first edition I think oh bud very cool that um, is so sick. yeah it was that like $20 really cool. in like a consignment <gasps> shop I was like this <gasps> is a steal <laughs> no no one knows what this is worth and then yeah so I, I really love that book and actually I think I'm due to reread I'm, I was just saying like I like it when people like talk oh. about it and I get so into it but I know I'm probably never gonna read these oh. or like it's gonna take me years to get to it that I'm like just spoil it for me tell me what happens <laughs> but at the same time I'm like don't because yeah, what did yeah, I do yeah. Um, same way with movies and everything I'm just like maybe yeah. one day but there's just so much out there like how are we gonna do it all sometimes I get like nervous I'm like am I ever gonna read all the books I want to read what will happen I, <laughs> I think you will but then they just keep coming out with new ones I want to read yeah, yeah. that's such a beautiful cycle. blessing to have <laughs> it is it, it is. is I'm very grateful for I know it. I think about um so like in the 1800s like they didn't have that many books I know they're reading they Shakespeare or the books that they had were kind of lame yeah, yeah. they were kind of like rereading the same Not stuff a lot of choice mm. Yeah. And now we're so lucky to have so yes, many books. Yeah. Less yeah. white man shit. But now we have more. <laughs> Less white man shit. Yes. I have a cousin in Bangladesh, um, the one that just recently got married, who's really big on, on literature. And I think that, like, that's one of her, like, gateways. I think it's, like, because of the literature that's been in her life. Like, it's opened up, like, a lot of, like, doors and perspectives and that kind of sense. So, and ev- every single time they like talk about a book in the same way, like I remember her like explaining this like horror book to me, and I can't remember what it was called, but I literally remember being like, I want to read this, and I think I would actually hate horror. Like reading <laughs> horror sounds like one of the worst ways I would spend my time. But her describing it. Yeah, but her describing it, I was like on the roof, like we were like cutting cake or something for one of my little cousins, and I was already looking up spoilers online because oh i was like i just want to read this or like know what happens and she caught me you knew what you were doing she did yeah yeah but um i was gonna say um i find like the books like in cold blood really interesting because like it makes you kind of question like who's the villain like obviously there's an answer, I guess, to, like, someone murdered someone, but the way it makes you kind of question reality a little bit, and you're like, what's going on? Well, when you learn that, like, there's no, like, really right and really wrong, like, there's just so many factors that go into so many different things. Yeah. Um, It's kind of, it's made me scared. I haven't read it because, like you were saying, I'm not, I'm not that into, like, a scary book or one that deals with 
something really realistically scary like murder right. um like there's violence in the books i read but like there's always some element of like oh it's like a fantasy world or oh it's not real the realistic books i read are usually don't have too much too right. much of that um but yeah i thought that was super interesting <laughs> another book i wanted to talk about that i think was important for me to read it's so hard, you know, when I was thinking about books I wanted to talk about because I feel like you feel this. Like, there's so many good books. So many good books. Um, like, my uh, side note, this is really important, though, to the story of Casey <laughs> and I and Emma. Um, we formed a group where we would read and write lists together. Yeah. We would choose, like, a topic, and we write lists. And one of them was, like, favorite books. Mm -hmm. And I just had such a hard time narrowing it down. Okay. Because a lot of books I read are my favorite. <laughs> That's a good problem. Yeah, it is a good problem. But, um, but yeah, but this book I read in a book club, actually, with Bridget, Greg, and Adam the summer of the pandemic. We started this book club where we would, like, read books and then go over Zoom and, like, talk about them together. Um, and... It's called Parable of the Sower by Octavia oh Butler. I remember you guys talking about this for, like, ages. <laughs> yeah. Um, this book kind of blew my mind a little bit. Um, the second book, the sequel, is also amazing. But it's about this girl. It takes place, I think, in 2025. So, like, Ooh. coming up. <laughs> and it's... Octavia Butler usually does sci-fi, and I'm not a huge sci-fi person. But this book is more of a dystopian, like, reality that's different than ours but very close like you could see our society kind of getting there it takes place in california which is where i'm from so i i felt it uh even harder but in a society where like the government kind of is breaking down there's um it's very dangerous to like be outside um like by yourself like there's these gated communities that have formed to kind of keep communities safe together less of a gated community in a way like we see now but more of like people have banded together for survival it's not a complete breakdown of society but it's definitely getting there there's lots of climate disasters that have prompted this there's a lot of like refugees from like california like wandering around california because they don't have anywhere to go um and the girl at the center of the story is a young black teenager and um, something happens, I don't want to spoil, but she has to, like, leave her family's gated community and, like, fend for herself and create um, a new sense of safety for herself. And she's really young in it, and she's just faced with so much. And um, she ends up, like, finding power in herself and in the family, the new family she creates and the people she finds. Um, and I just think it's a good book to kind of like remember or like remind yourself how things could go very badly <laughs> and I know that that is kind of scary um definitely look up the trigger warnings before you read this book but um it's a really good reminder but it's also hopeful like even though there's so many bad things happening I find a lot of hope in it um which the main girl Lauren also does too um so like that's something that that's very important to me in books I think is like finding some hope even if a lot of things are going badly um she also talks about religion that part's really interesting and how we use that for hope um 
yeah, I would, I would recommend, especially for people around our age, um, because we're having to kind of come to terms with like the state of our environment and our world. And yeah, it was, it was just a really, really good book. I got goosebumps as you were speaking. Yeah, thank you. It sounds a lot like a book that like, um, like tackles history by placing its story in the future. Like you know. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really cool. No, it does, and um, you can totally see it happening, which is why it's scary. (laughs) And it's in twenty twenty five, which is coming up. I think it would be so cool to like read the book. For folks who haven't, like, mm-hmm. in that year yeah. that we are, like, yeah, and, like, reflect to see how different it is. Uh, yeah. 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 That'd be cool. Thank you for sharing that, Lily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually, um, shout out, I worked at a bookstore last yeah. year in Madrid. Um, when you were abroad. Abroad. <laughs> it sounds very pretentious, but um, it's called Desperate Literature. Check them out. They're amazing. But um, I recommended this book as part of, like, one of the staff picks that I did. And uh, I still recommend it. I continue to recommend. Yeah, I read it on her recommendation. Really good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that was I remember opening up, like, the first page has the year on it, and I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is so close. Because I just looked it up as you were talking about. It was, like, written in, like, what, the late 70s? Like, maybe 80s. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah. Which um, is scary. But, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. She has other books that were written later. But it was written in the early 90s. Early yeah, 90s, there yeah. you go. It was still very... Very far, but too close. Yeah, she's writing it, like, maybe 30 years in the future. Um, when you just said that you had it for one of your staff picks at books at your bookstore, um, I think the staff picks at bookstores are the best. That's how yeah. I find all my books. <laughs> like, when you're looking at a bookstore, there's just, like, a bunch of spines, but then there's just those little note cards coming down. Like, you, you'll so read them, true. and you'll notice, and it feels mm-hmm. more special to read something that you know had an impact on someone else. Yeah. Well, maybe we can segue to a quick shout-out. Do you guys have anyone, any, like, like near bookstores that you would recommend to people? Oh my gosh, Portisquare Books. Love <laughs> Portisquare Books. The biggest kind of Portisquare. And the Square biggest Square Square Tell about the bingo thing. Portisquare Books does a seasonal bingo where they have this bingo card, and um, each square is a different prompt. Like it's local author, or it's um, part of the African diaspora, or it's um, like two authors, things like that. And then if you read enough to get bingo, which can be like four squares with free space. You can go in and pass it in, and they'll lead you to the back room, and you'll be able to take a book that hasn't come out yet, an advanced reader copy of a book that hasn't come out yet. It's so cool. I've done it twice. It's wonderful. Not only has Casey done (laughs) it, I want to just shout out to her because it's incredible. She filled up the entire bingo sheet. She didn't just read four across or whatever. She read, like, however many squares. So did they give you, like, five books? No. (laughs) I I do only get the one, which... Which is fine. Honestly, I, I appreciate it because, like we were just talking about, there's so many books out there that I want to read that it's hard to, like, know what to choose next sometimes. Mm. So having the prompts, it makes it a little bit easier yeah. to, like, focus and, like, look at the list of books I want to read and be like, okay, well, this one has two authors. Like, this is a good one to turn to next. Which is nice. That is literally so sick. Yeah. 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 It was very cool. <laughs> um, I was really Yeah, bookstore, bookstore. Bookstores. Besides Desperate Literature, which also, if you're a writer, they have a prize where you can submit your short fiction. Um, yeah, I would recommend. Um, but I, Porter Square Books is a great one nearby. Um, I love the selection at a Harvard bookstore. It's not owned by Harvard. It's just called that in Harvard Square. <laughs> um, their selection really? is great. 
Um, they also have used books downstairs, which is amazing because sometimes you want to buy a book, but you don't want to spend $20, 30 on it. Because those are the prices nowadays. Um, (laughs) I love Harvard Square Books. I'm going there later today. Later today? Mm -hmm. That'll be so fun. I go at least once a week just to peruse. It's a nice vibe. Yeah. Well, back to Casey. Back to Casey. Okay, um... I think my next book, as I was thinking about it, it's interesting that this one also comes from a high school English class, um, but also kind of on my own choice. I think I was given a list of books that I could read, but maybe that's not true. Anyways, for some reason I picked this book, and I, in a similar way, I found myself able to emotionally connect to the main character, um, and in a way that I was like, oh my gosh, there's people out there that are feeling the same way I am. I think um, I went to a small Catholic school, and there wasn't a lot of, like, people mm-hmm. in the class. Like, it was a, just a very small class. And so it's hard to, like, get a gauge of all the different kinds of perspectives and identities that there are in the world. And so, like, when you're kind of someone who, like, can't see someone else that kind of is like you, it's nice to read a book and see that person. And that would be Anne Elliot in Jane Austen's Persuasion of No Relation to the Dakota Johnson <laughs> um, no. remake. <laughs> definitely not. They're not related. But, um... I, that book, it was kind of about Anne and her, she's grappling with the fact that she chose to listen to her family instead of her heart. Um, and I think that, like, she just kind of throws out the books um, still in her own mind. We get a look into her interior, um, thinking about, like, what she does want and what, like, she thinks about the people in her lives who she's appeasing. Um, some of her family members are very funny in the way that they're haughty and self-absorbed. <laughs> and, and, like, her um, musings on that are really funny. And yet when she interacts with them, she's like, okay, Mary, like, whatever. Um, so I think that that's just kind of... It was nice to see someone who, like, was very strong still inside, regardless of her choices um, and how someone else who I feel like a lot of times we read books about women and it's kind of like women are strong and like this woman doesn't care what anybody else thinks and like that's a lovely thing to aspire to but when you're not there yet and you're kind of like I'm still listening to everyone else wants and doing exactly what they want it's nice to see that like you can still be able to pinpoint inner strength while you're working towards having that be externally shown um, and so Anne's story, um, it is a romance in the end, but I think watching her grow and kind of grow into herself and what she actually wants and make those choices for herself is the most engaging part about that book. And senior year, I read that um, for my English class and wrote a paper about it, which I think, like, reading things for school is one thing. Um, and when they're assigned, it's kind of more constraining, but when you're able to read something over and over and, like, extract information and ideas from it I think that does cause you to just appreciate it more whether or not it would have been a favorite so mm-hmm. um I think that I would have really enjoyed this book anyways but spending a lot of time with it for that paper I think helped me to appreciate what it was doing a lot more yeah I read it this summer um on your recommendation I'd been meaning to read it for mm-hmm. a while but I agree it's it's my favorite of Jane Austen's um and the character Anne Elliot is so relatable even, like, here, 200 years later, like, yeah, you're reading thoughts, cool. and you're like, I've thought that before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially with how, like, um, we as women tend to, like, yearn a lot. Yeah. yeah. 
Thank you. It deals a lot with that. Well, it does. It does. We as women. Um, not to generalize, but I find it's a common thing. Among peers. Thank you guys for sharing. I do want to be mindful of time. I was looking up things as we were talking. Because um, there's a few questions that I'd want to get to. Yeah. yeah. Um, but is there any, like, I don't want to, like, cut you guys off if you really wanted to talk about any specific books or anything mm-hmm. like that. We can always roll back to it. Yeah, we can come back to it if okay. we have time. Okay. Um... Yeah, I was thinking about my impactful books. I feel like I really can't even think of like the books that I've read right now. <laughs> They're like not. That's why you gotta get a Goodreads yeah, or a story yeah. graph. <laughs> you have an no. Excel spreadsheet. I need to. Spreadsheet. I love good spreadsheets. Because I know I've read books. For sure. Just, like, yeah. The only thing that I was remembering was just Kite Runner, which is a classic, like a lot of high schools read type of book. But I remember feeling like. I remember feeling kind of like huh, about it because I was like oh like I know how to pronounce these things and like <laughs> I, I come from a very like white like high school um so I think I just had like a more like cultural understanding of where the characters were coming from which was pretty yeah. cool um and then like more specifically my aunt and my mom were like big on reading at the time and they had read it a few years before and I remember like being able to relate to them and talk about the plot was like really important and, like, the yeah. community that you find within book reading, like, you guys yeah, are talking about, it, is, like, exactly. really fun. You're, like, able to, like, tackle things, like, most media does, like, tackle things that maybe you wouldn't be able to, like, yeah. kind of talk about in other ways. So, yeah. I really feel that it made me think when you were talking about, like, connecting with people through books. I think um, books, I mean, I've heard it said a lot, and I also really feel it, like, it helps you create empathy because well number one you can find people you relate to and relate to them whether that be like culturally like by your gender like any sort of like identity that you feel for yourself and then also you can read about other people who are not like you Mm -hmm. and you can find ways that you like if not relate to them like really feel with them Mm -hmm. um and that's something I really really appreciate about reading Mm -hmm. And it, it's so fun to be able to, like, read a book and my mom read it and, like, we talk about it together. And it, I think it can have the capacity to, like, open your mind to, like, a lot of things that you just never really think about in your day-to-day life. I'm a little bit of a segue, but a little bit with, like, writing, too. Maybe that's, okay, one of the questions we can segue with is, like, you guys read a lot. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about writing? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like people always ask me this. I graduated with an English degree, and so people were like, oh, do you want to be a writer? I do not want to be a writer. <laughs> I think maybe when I was younger, I, like, toyed with the idea of, like, being a novelist or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but, no, I just find so much joy in appreciating what other people create, and I do not have the desire to do it myself. That's so healthy mm-hmm. and such, like, a mature outlook. I really appreciate that. Megan? Yeah, I also do not want to be a writer. I love reading. Mm-hmm. It's For me, it's very fun. I wouldn't want to turn it into something that's like work really and if you're if that's like your main thing is like writing specifically fiction I just like I don't foresee it for myself but um writing I think is really important in general to be able to like communicate your ideas to others so I feel like in that way we're all writers like we all write Mm -hmm. things for school and we communicate that way but um we don't we're not necessarily all authors, I guess. Yeah. Maybe we can be, though. That's yeah, true. that's so true. 
don't need to be that. published or have a big grand thing to like be an author exactly. necessarily. No. Yeah. No, not that you said that at yeah. all. But no. um yeah. <laughs> Speaking of authors, one of the questions I had written down was like, do you guys have any hot takes on really popular authors that you wanna like air out? Hot takes? Yeah. I did see this question. And I'm, I feel like I'm a bad person to answer them because I'm not on TikTok. And I think TikTok <laughs> books are very different from books that, like, the same books that, like, I would talk about with Megan. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I go on, like, YouTube and, like, look up, like, book content and, like, sometimes Instagram. And even those books are very different from TikTok books. Why? How so? Um, you don't really see Colleen Hoover. <laughs> um, I don't know who Colleen Hoover is. I was asking people. I genuinely don't really know either. I know that she made a coloring book about her book oh, about really? abuse. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> people were like, what do you do? And then she's like, maybe I shouldn't do this coloring book. But, um, I what? have no information about that. So please don't. <laughs> um, that's just something I read. But, um, yeah, I haven't read any of her books either. I do get recommendations from TikTok, but they're not the, like, they're not always the super popular ones. Mm. Sometimes they're like. You're on Book Talk, yeah. I am, but it's a it's a section of Book Talk. It's like for sad hot girls. I think <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like yes, so like Sally are, Rooney. Yeah, it's like Sally Rooney, um, which I I enjoy her books. You love Sally Rooney, and they are popular. Mm. Popular things are not as bad. Um, yeah, but I haven't read any Helen Hoover. Yeah, I just this have is... an interest in it. No, go for it. No, go for it. Sorry. That's all. I just have an interest in me in Helen Hoover. Like I have nothing against her. I just think like. Lots of people read different kinds of books, and, like, she's having her success with her readers, mm-hmm. and, like, that doesn't necessarily need to include me. Yeah. No, that's, like, a lot of what people are saying. There's a lot of debate over, like, you know, like, the hierarchies of, like, literature, I guess, and maybe that falls into it, so maybe we're not the best to speak on it. <laughs> I think this is a funny tweet, though. Someone said, all men are written by women, but it's your job to figure out whether it's Jane Austen or Colleen Hoover, and I got a lot of feedback. Yeah. So maybe that's where we'll leave off on that one. Um, but this kind of segued into another question I had, which was, like, do you think you can get a good read on people based on, like, what books they're into and stuff like that? And I say that specifically with, like, the really hot topic one that always comes up, which is, like, men who like Murakami <laughs> books are, like, such a red flag. Oh, my gosh. That's um, a funny example because I've yet to come across a man who's read Murakami. Oh, wow. I have had quite a few friends who've read and enjoyed Murakami. Men. I, f- I feel like the most, like, <laughs> like, um, but maybe this was, like, high school. Like, I think Fight Club. People oh, like my favorite oh, book yeah. is Fight Club. Or um, Catcher in the Rye. Yeah, yeah. I've never mm-hmm. read it. I feel like Murakami's, like, a... Because Murakami, I think, is more complex. No, Fight Club is, too. I think, like, that's also interesting because of the way people read them. Like, Fight Club can be read, like, two separate different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, understanding it's satire and not. And kind of think it's, like, espousing toxic masculinity or, like, revealing it. Which is, like, two different things. Uh, I think that's also, like, comes up in a lot of, like, with secret history. You can romanticize dark academia or you can be like, (laughs) wow, there's lots of issues in academia. Um... So it's I hard think to get true. Read. I don't know. Like books that have that feature very problematic people or characters, um, unless the writer's been very open about them seeing that as a good thing, a lot of times I think it is a critique on that type of person. Just because they're the protagonist doesn't mean they're the good person, but it it provides critiques. So like those book books aren't inherently bad unless like the author was like oh, this person who does these problematic things, like, I think that's correct. But you could still read it in a critical lens. Mm. With Murakami, I think he writes it for men. I'm not going to lie. 
I read Norwegian Wood and I loved it. It really was interesting because I got to see into the mind of a man and how he views women. Um, and that was interesting. I, I wouldn't say he writes women super accurately. I think he writes women from men's point of view accurately. Mm. If that makes sense. No, that is a good point. I think I agree. This is so ominous. I'm like, yeah. I should read but, it. But like the fact that you say like you do love it, like I love reading Murakami because he is so brilliant and he's able to reveal all these different things about how people do see each other. Um, but like then again, you're like, is this what I should be reading or like is there something else I can be reading that would do this in a less harmful way or like less annoying like I read 1Q84 by Murakami and there were like passages that I was like this is ridiculous (laughs) Um, (laughs) like he's just like describing women's bodies in just like an unnecessary way Mm. Um, but then like it would turn around just like be the most brilliant like connection to something else and I'd be like wow but um, yeah so it's tough I think it's another one of those cases where you have to like acknowledge where it has its faults while still like letting yourself appreciate and like enjoy what is doing well yeah we don't have to keep talking about more coming no, because I'm okay. like, why is he always so centered? Like, yeah. <laughs> something I wanted to talk about, though, um, is my recent recent, <laughs> recent obsession with Friedrich Bachmann's books. And Oops. Friedrich Bachmann, he's from Sweden? Yeah. yeah. And all of his books are translated, which is even more incredible because mm. translations, I feel like, are so difficult to get right. Mm. We just... I just read a book on the power of translation, <laughs> Babel. It's an amazing book, but it can it just adds another layer of I think difficulty to portraying the story you want to portray. And I think he does a great job with women characters. Yes, I think so. Um, yeah, highly recommend Bear Town. Love it. Love Bear Town. Again, look at the trigger warnings, but yes, it is really, tough. really powerful. Very well yeah. done. Are there any other authors you want to highlight in that September? Oh my gosh. Up and coming, maybe. Or just out now. A book we were talking about yesterday, and I don't know how much the author has written, to be honest, but um, I think we both really, really enjoyed it. It's called Butter, Honey, Pig Bread. Yeah. Um, And it's by... Jessica Francesca Ekuyasi. She's Nigerian. Yeah. Um, such a good book. So good. So good. The Another imagery. dual perspective. Yeah. Wait, weren't you just saying yesterday how you've been into a lot of... Was it Nigerian? Yeah. yeah. But it's kind of like I just keep picking them up. Like the one I got early from Portscript Books was Nigerian. And then like someone that my mom worked with was like, Casey, I think you'd like this book. And it was Nigerian. And Who are those um, I have to look. Someday Maybe by Onyi Luabanelli. And then A Spell of Good Things, which just came out mm-hmm. by Ayobami Adebayo. I also just read um, Things Fall Apart, which um, is like the most classic yeah. um, of Nigerian literature. I feel like there's something else I was going to read that like, just happened to be by a Nigerian author. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. And it's incredible in Francesca Ekuyasi's. Oh, so good. Uh, uh, case because that's her debut novel no and it's so good wow. I know I just I just look like I didn't know that yeah it's a uh, well it's three perspectives mm, a mother and two cool. twin sisters so cool um it's so good there's food imagery queer love 
like about young women finding themselves Mm -hmm. it crosses continents there's like folk beliefs woven into like reality a little magic but it's like real Uh, it's good that's (laughs) so well done Oh my god, I want to read recommend. all these books. I can't wait to graduate. <laughs> I feel like there's going to be so much more time back. Yeah, it does make a difference. Oh, that's what I wanted to say, like, too, is that some a big obstacle to reading is the time mm-hmm. it takes, and you really have to make time as you get older. Like, I remember my seventh grade per- teacher would have me, like, read some books to see if we could read them in class, because she was like, what do you think? And she was, like, um, amazed at, like, how much I read because she was like, I just don't have any time. And I remember thinking that was silly because I was like, oh, like I'll always have time for reading. Like I'll always make time. Like I'll never stop reading. And yet I found myself at the end of high school, like stopping reading as much. And I was like, whoa, like I have to keep my promise to my younger self to like Mm -hmm. keep reading, you know, even as like we get busier. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. It is really tough to incorporate reading into your life. I think like oftentimes people will be like, oh, like read, like cool. But um, it's, it can be difficult to put it into your life. And it does, like we were talking about, it does take effort. And so um, like it is kind of a choice there. But then like there are so many constraints, like time and like energy, like reading does take more energy than watching TV. And sometimes what you need most is watching TV, you know, something that will let you shut your mind off a little bit um yeah I do recommend reading obviously but um I do love to read but it can be really difficult to find the space in your life and your energy to incorporate it in Mm -hmm. yeah yeah maybe that should be one of the last questions do you have any advice for non-readers on how to get into oh my gosh I think I read this recently and I um I really liked it is that you were already a good reader Um, And I think that oftentimes we are, like, feel or, like, are told that, like, what we're reading doesn't count or, like, what the way we read or how fast we read or how many things we read doesn't Mm -hmm. count. But if you want to read, then you're already a good reader. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's really important. Yeah. And um, on a similar note, like, audiobooks, that's, like, a form of reading. You're, like, you're taking in a story Um, and that's how my brother reads because reading is really challenging for him, like looking at words on a page, but like the audiobooks, he gets so into the stories in the same way I do by reading them Mm -hmm. on a page. And it's like, it's cool. You can still take in the same content. Like he just read a book that I love six of crows and loved it because he was able to listen to it in a way that worked for him. Mm -hmm. So I think remembering that like everyone finds their own ways to quote-unquote read a book um yeah finding like what works and finding stories that really excite you or draw you in mm-hmm. that was really beautiful thank you guys so much for sharing thank you everything Chica. are there any last words you guys no. thank you so much for having yeah, us this, this was, was so, so nice <laughs> it's just so nice to talk about books always yeah <laughs> no i love this so much yay <laughs> <laughs> okay bye bye bye